0: Brian Smith here, and welcome to the Dream Path Podcast, where I try to get inside the heads of talented creatives from all over the world. My goal is to demystify and humanize the creative process and make it accessible to everyone. Now let's jump in. Hello, this is Brian Smith, and welcome to my podcast. Today, we're going to talk to producer and editor Jason Moore about what we learned from last week's interview with Jerry Shea. We're going to try to do this after each interview so that there's an opportunity for us to figure out what the takeaways are from each of these interviews, while also talking about future guests. So I hope you enjoy this short but lively discussion with editor and producer, Jason Moore. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here again. <laughs> yeah. So what'd you think of the episode, the, the interview with Jerry Shea? It's
1: really interesting. Um, he, well, first of all, he seems like a great guy, you know? Yeah. Just one of these guys that... Um, just has a passion for acting but what really surprised me I think most out of the all of that was that he was willing to give all that up for a while right to take care of his family yeah, yeah. it just says what a what a person he is to do that that's hard to do especially as an actor um, in in the entertainment industry when you drop out of that industry for a while it's hard sometimes to kind of claw your way back up yeah and get back into working mode because you kind of get forgotten.
0: Yeah, you know that's what struck me the most. I think about that interview as well. Is um, he gets this Tony nomination for a Broadway show, Sondheim musical, of all things, and seems to be really on an upward trajectory. And, yeah, you know he's acting in a movie, uh, Southie, with Donnie Wahlberg, and um, he gets an award at the Seattle International Film Festival, and um, seems to have all of the ingredients to continue as a hollywood actor yeah. and a stage actor and um leaves it all behind as you know uh, for his family and the cool thing about Jerry and the way he talked about that is that he didn't talk about it in a gr- regretful way at all right you know he just kind of like this is too much too much travel um, i want my kids to know who i am i want them to know that i was there for them and he, so he leaves acting for 20 years and that i think takes a certain type of integrity and character in a person to do that. Absolutely. You know, so that's what really struck me about Jerry as well. You and I kind of saw it the same way. And then, you know, he's working for a nonprofit for many years. And all of a sudden this role just kind of finds him. Right. That was pretty cool, that narrative of having a passion for acting to the degree where you're you're getting nominated for a Tony, going into film and then leaving it all. Mm-hmm. And never really looking back, right? You know, because it's not like he went actually looking for this role; it kind of found him. And uh, another thing I, I liked about Jerry is he really didn't seem to have any ego, right? What's what, yeah, whatsoever. He's perfectly satisfied in the role that he had on City on a Hill, uh, which was not a starring role; it was a recurring character, but it wasn't a starring role. And um, very very comfortable in his place in life, yeah. you know, professionally and, and personally. I don't know, I, I just uh, I have a certain prejudice, you'd say, uh, hmm. or a preconceived idea of what actors are like. Yeah, I think I know? do too, yeah. You know, and he did not fit in that mold. Right. That was in my mind as, you know, this arrogant Hollywood actor, yeah, you know, pretentious exactly. and, yep. yeah. But what I'm finding is uh, the people that are artistic, and creative, there's varying levels of commitment that they have to their craft versus their commitment to their personal life and the sacrifices that they make. And he really wasn't willing to make the sacrifice of being on the road as much as he had to be as an actor. Yeah, Um, He chose his family over his career. I think that's admirable. Right. It's too bad. It's like um, trial work, very similar to that. And I think probably when you commit to anything, with 110 percent of your being you um you give up something in return there's a price that you pay for that yeah there's a book that i read on um essentialism and i forget the name of the author but it's on this concept of essentialism and and the idea of essentialism it's a it's a philosophy and the idea of essentialism is that you only focus on the things that are essential pretty simple approach to life yeah right and there are um, a lot of things that are pulling us in various directions in life. There's work, there's family, there's friends, there's personal needs like your health and things like that. Right. And the way that this author talked about those things in your life, that he he used the metaphor of burners on a stove. Okay. So you have you have the health burner, which is your personal burner, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your personal needs. You have your friends that's another burner. You have your family and you have work. So you've got four basic burners and you can have two burners running at any given time. Right. But once you turn on that third burner, the gas and the flame on those other two burners goes down. Oh yeah. Because there's only a certain amount of energy and fuel that you have to service all of these needs. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. And so what, what I find with creative energy, you put everything into your creativity, Mm -hmm. into your career, which is a creative career. There's other burners that are going to be sacrificed. Yeah. That's why you see a lot of divorce amongst Hollywood actors, I think, and directors and anybody that is in that industry working their ass off. Yeah. Try to get by. And I think the reason that you do it, just like with um trial work and the law, if you're not working your ass off, somebody else is. Mm-hmm. And they're going to set themselves apart from you, right? Right, especially in a lawsuit where you're you have an opponent, and if they outwork you, you know you're going to lose the case. Right. And if you lose the case, your reputation is harmed, your client is harmed, you're professionally going to have a setback. You're yeah. not going to make it very long. And I think acting is probably the same thing. It's like you you have to commit to that role, you have to commit to that process, that audition, you know, that film, that play. Yep. And if you're not putting in the hours, somebody else is going to set themselves apart from you. Yeah. And they're going to get that part. You're always replaceable, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's that fear that we have. I think we all have that fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in life, you know, being shut out because of competition or we're not working hard enough. And, and it really is um, a sickness, I think, in society where we prioritize work over other things like family and, and health. And going back to Jerry Shea. You know, it was a pretty easy choice for him. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He didn't look back. And I think
1: that's impressive that he was able to come back after twenty years and get get back on the yeah on the horse again. And like you said, it found
0: him kind of. I think he is definitely a a Boston fixture. You mm-hmm. know, in that community, he grew up in Boston, and he acted in. Um, well, he went to Tish in New York, and then after the uh, Sondheim Musical acted in a boston-based film with donnie Wahlberg, so he kind of had that reputation of someone who could do the accent really well Mm -hmm. he knows that the the whole boston ethos he grew up in the 80s and 90s there Uh, but yeah that's probably part of why they found him that was an
1: interesting time period to kind of capture in the show too because i I think you said in the interview too that there were not too many shows based in that time period early 90s
0: yeah you know well, it's, a, it's an awkward phase, too. I mean, the uh-huh. late 80s, early 90s is uh, not good for fashion, in my opinion. <laughs> no, you're right. Not good for hairstyles. You are right. Yeah, but it does bring back memories. You know, you and I grew up in that era. I had and, a mullet uh, until 1992. Oh, goodness. <laughs> We're going to have to edit that out. <laughs> uh, no, so, but yeah, the, the the late 80s, early 90s, fascinating era to capture um, on on film and in television, episodic TV and uh to see a-list actors hitting it out of the park with um really capturing the essence of that era was Mm -hmm. pretty cool yeah i'm glad showtime found that that series to put on that it got renewed for a second season as a producer i should
1: probably do more research on what we're doing right instead of learning from the just the episode which i kind of did with jerry shea a little bit i went back and watched part of passion which was interesting in the beginning right. there <laughs> they right. did a good job of hiding the nudity and the right angles and the clothes <laughs> in the right way and everything. And he's got a great voice. Jerry has a great voice. Great singing voice. And yeah. I even saw videos of him playing some songs on his guitar.
0: Oh yeah, me too. And he's good. Yeah. You know,
1: seemed like a kind of a cool guy to hang out with.
0: A w- very well-rounded artist and creative. And uh, yeah, I remember watching, I watched the the whole Broadway musical of Passion and uh, the, the whole world of sondheim is a completely different orbit than most broadway musicals mm-hmm. i mean when you listen to a sondheim musical or you you watch one it's very distinctly sondheim mm-hmm. and uh, there's there's part of it that is a little bit inaccessible to me because it's so complicated mm-hmm. and not poppy or catchy no you know what i mean there's there's not a lot about sondheim that is like oh you know it's a catchy show tune. Yeah. It's it's like storytelling, but pretty deep, complicated stories that are being told over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay attention. And I think they're for that reason, I consider Sondheim musicals to be um, a lot more sophisticated storytelling than most stage musicals. Yeah, and I have therefore a lot of respect for Broadway actors who can tackle Sondheim. Because it it is is that complex and difficult material, frankly. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, So, what's up next? Uh, Claude Stein. Okay. You would know more about him than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Claude Stein is uh, a voice coach and uh, someone that uh, probably is not a household name for listeners. Mm -hmm. But someone that I had a personal experience with at a workshop last year, and I found him to be talented, passionate, extremely empathic, Mm -hmm. and able to really help people come out of their shell when it comes to performance and to be in their authentic selves. And so that's what I'll say about Claude, and it's a little bit of a teaser for for next week's episode. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. It's interesting, yes. Neat guy. Someone that... Can really help people understand what it means to find your voice. Yeah. You know, that sounds a little bit cliche to say find your voice, but that's what he literally does, is he has you sing in a group, a small group, a terrifying experience. <laughs> and yeah. and has you get through the initial stage fright, has you get through the part about being in your head when you're worried about what other people are thinking, worrying about how you sound and the the result is finding a part of yourself that you never thought existed you yeah know? and that again it, it sounds cheesy to say on on mike like that but it, it's it's very real what he does the transformation that you see in others when you're in these workshops is incredible and then the transformation that you feel and see in yourself is also really cool Isn't it an emotional experience? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a psychological part of it too. We'll we'll talk about this. You'll you'll hear me talking about this with uh, with Claude um, on next week's episode. But it's profoundly emotional to sing from your heart in Mm -hmm. front of strangers, and to and that's why when you're when you're doing this, it's not uncommon to cry. Mm. You you see people singing, you hear them singing, and if they're really singing from an authentic place and they're not in their head, they're they're doing it from some place deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can see tears flowing, and that's why I think people who are listening to singers who are singing from the heart will cry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when you go to a musical. And and musicals always make me cry, and I don't know why that is. But there's there's this vulnerability of the people up on stage, yeah. And they they're just putting themselves out there. They're belting out a song, and it may not even be a song that you would ever want to buy a CD for, or you know, Mm -hmm. download on on iTunes, not really catchy or whatever. But there there's something there's a story being told, and it's that moment. Yeah, it's like you're right there in the moment. You're never going to have another moment like that again it's just it's so intimate right and and that's what claude does in these little workshops is has people singing to the point where they're extremely vulnerable and they're okay with it mm. and then the audience becomes okay with it it's what's really awkward is when people get up there and they're embarrassed and they're not they're not singing from a, an authentic place they're th- singing from a place of fear and mm-hmm. anxiety and worry and that makes the audience have fear and anxiety and worry mm-hmm. but if you get up there and you don't have all of these anxieties swirling around in your head and you're just letting it happen that freedom is really refreshing to see and hear yeah in you the, can feel it in the audience yeah. and i think that's part of charisma charisma is something that you and i talked about in a in a prior episode yeah how do you find that how do you embody that concept of charisma and i think part of it is letting go of anxiety and fear and worry about what other people think mm-hmm. and that means also letting go of ego yeah it's hard for some people to do that yeah, yeah. Of, it's really hard to do well we all have egos oh yeah you know to, and it protects ourselves in, in some way and, and it makes us feel good about ourselves in a i think an inauthentic way yeah but it's just part of our structure it's part of our dna to have that ego but if you can let it go and and really be in the moment that's a refreshing thing for people that's why you're attracted to people that are charismatic and that's what i think claude stein is brilliant at doing is is kind of drawing that charisma out of his students you know not so that they're the next barbastreisen or you know whatever but you know they're not going to come out of those classes as professional singers but they're going to be transformed in a pretty important way yeah yeah
1: it's very therapeutic right
0: yeah yeah it is it's it's therapy it's um uh, you know it's a class where you you learn actually concrete things so it's not all woo woo type of stuff but there is a psychological therapeutic element to it yeah it's hard to describe
1: well we'll just have to wait and
0: hear the episode yeah but, uh, but anyway, it's been uh, it's been fun talking about the Jerry Shea episode and, and kind of uh, looking forward to the Claude Stein. And, you know, we have some others that are in the can, so to speak, and, and we have others that we are going to record shortly. So we've got a, a fun-packed year. And also um, 2020 is looking promising as well for Dream Path. Nice. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining me, Jason. Well, thanks for inviting me. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the dream path podcast. If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you go to your favorite podcast service and give me a rating and review? Your feedback is what keeps this podcast going. I appreciate your time. And as always go find your dream path.